Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Well, happy Friday. Hello. What's up, party people? How's it going? Welcome back to Good Game. Nice try. I am joined with my favorite party people out there, Aaron Blair and Jen Samples. How you doing? Happy Friday. We never record this on Fridays, but today is actually also Friday for us. Wow. Wow. I never even thought about that. I didn't think about it either. <laughs> it's always like, happy Friday on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's actually Friday, which means we got two whole days of game playing coming up, ladies. Heck yes. What is everybody playing? Jen, what are you, what are you going to play this weekend? I am so into... God of War, the 2018 God of War. Oh. I had never played it. Oh, it was one wow. of the games that you mailed to me when we first started this podcast. You mailed me a bunch of great games. And so I've slowly been working my way through. I randomly started and I'm obsessed. I It's like I can't stop playing it. Usually I'm very good at being like, okay, let me turn it off. I have no control. I can't. <laughs> Yeah, that's the mark of a great game. The mark of a great game is you, you're like, I'm just going to play for five minutes and you look outside and now it's nighttime. <laughs> that's what's happening. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Great. I love the, oh, just just one more game in, in a multiplayer game. But when it's something like a single player, it's it's just, oh, well, yeah, maybe maybe another hour and then you blink. Yeah, and I keep thinking it's almost over. Oh, interesting. Uh, Be- and so I get sad and then a whole new thing opens yep. and I'm like, hell yes, let's go. <laughs> Uh, what was, so for me, for that game, one of the first moments I realized, so I, we did that game for Clueless Gamer with Bill mm-hmm. Hader, which is great. And it kind of sucks when, when I had, when I have to do games for Clueless Gamer, because I have to play them writing jokes. I can't just play it to enjoy it. Right. And I also, in many instances, like jump to the end of a game or beat the game. And so a lot of the plot points are ruined for me. And I never on that game specifically, because when I was playing it, like coming up with jokes and stuff. Um, I just spit on my camera. I was going to say, are you covered in this like angelic light? What happened? Of saliva. I'm keeping this in. I'm not cutting this part out. keep it in. He had this beautiful little like spit halo light (laughs) on your Zoom camera. It got like interstellar, Christopher Nolan interstellar when he's going into the black hole. Yeah, you've got this beautiful like hazy aesthetic now. Yeah, it sucks. I got the Barbara Walters cheesecloth lens (laughs) on it. The Vaseline. But anyway, I was going to say that game was so fun that I didn't play the end. So maybe I should play it. I haven't beat that game and I don't really know what happens at the end. What for you was the moment in that game where that pulled you in? You're like, I'm in. 
Honestly, it didn't take much. It truly was throwing the axe for the first time, which is like the first (laughs) thing you do in the game. After that, I was like, I am in. And I'm just looking around where I can throw my axe and hit things. Isn't it so satisfying? I love it. Like, that's really satisfying. Yeah, God of War is, man. Oh, that story. Ooh. Great game. I'm excited for for the new one. You're going to play it at the... You're playing this at exactly the right time because then the I new one will come I did that on purpose. I yeah, thought about it. I was nice. like, wait a minute, then I'll have the new one. Brilliant. So Good timing. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. I Sonia, what are you playing? So I'm still uh, stuck in my like masochistic cycle of Elden Ring. Um, <laughs> yeah. But in between, you know what I'm going to do? I am on my last Hades run <gasps> before I completely forfeit my in and out bet that we had made. A long time ago. I have one single run left. Whoa. And that's it. So all the pressure is on. It's been building. And now I feel almost bad because I've waited so long that I'm not good at the game anymore. So right. It's, I was going to say, you're not in the zone. I've lost it. So truly, this wow. is a, all, the stakes are high. So remind remind me what the bet was. It was how many runs and then what happens if you lose. So Jen, you were playing Hades. I beat it in 40 one runs. 41 runs right and i am at run number 40 wow so it is and then if you come down to the wire if you get out if you beat it on before jen if you beat it on this next run then what who has to buy what what do i buy do i buy you in and out i know that we had if i do get it if i am successful i get in and out but yes it was more that if she beats me then i get her in and out. But if I beat her, I have the satisfaction of saying I beat her at a game. (laughs) (laughs) That's tasty enough. I'll take it. (laughs) Oh, that's filling. That's filling and delicious. Oh, there we go. We're Uh, almost there. I love it. I'm a little scared. Wow. All right. What about you, Aaron? I'm playing, uh, so for dinner in a video game, I had Glenn Buzan, uh, former Conan writer, come on and we played uh, an indie horror game that my nephew, Ben, (laughs) who's eight recommended to me called baby in yellow. Uh, and Very fun. You, you have okay. to take, you have to take care of a baby and your baby may or may not be an interdimensional demon. You know, hmm. so that that's, age you know. old tale. God, I hate when that happens. They um, always do that. But I, I will say a funny thing, which is so, and Sonny, you know, this like live streaming people. I, I enjoy backseat gaming when people tell me what to do. I, that's kind of the fun part. And I scream at them and they scream back. But my nephew was in the chat and he was like, he's like, flush the baby down to the toilet. And he kept, and I would flush the baby down the toilet and the toilet would just spit the baby back up. And I was like, it's not working, dude. He's like, do it again. I'm like, you don't understand. Like, so are I'm you, like, are you with me or yeah, are you against me? I know. So my nephew just get, going crazy. And I was like, chill out, dude. But anyway, that was, and we made angel, yellow angel food cake. Baby and yellow angel food Aww, cake was the pun. Oh, wow. So it was kind that's of fun. a good one. But I have to say, I'm very excited because you know I play so many indie games and so many indie horror games. And I and all three of us, I think we love indie games and really want everyone to play more indie games. Today's guest also loves indie horror games. And I am so excited uh, to talk to him today. I couldn't have imagined a more perfect pairing for you to nerd out with oh it's somebody who not only is an incredible writer but someone who has such a deep history and and roots in horror and indie games yes i was very excited for you and very excited for us and also very excited for you the the listener out there (laughs) 
<laughs> We're just excited. Our guest today is an absolute YouTube OG. He just recently celebrated his 10 years on YouTube, wow. uh, over which he's gained 32 million subscribers, and his videos have amassed over 18 billion views. Insane. Absolutely insane. Um, he has created a lot of amazing interactive series. He's one of the first people I think of when I think of really creative, original content on YouTube and beyond. So he now has a new interactive YouTube series called In Space with Markiplier Part 2 just came out. So catch up, watch part two. But after this interview, here's our interview with Markiplier. I have to say that I don't think in my lifetime that I have seen a tweet that just says I farted, not only <laughs> trend on Twitter, uh -huh. but yeah. get a uh, 300,000 likes. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> what's your problem? With it? Congratulations. It's, it's, congratulations. It's just magical. I, I'm glad you're feeling better. Oh, uh, thank you. You should have seen the tweet I did uh, in, um, I think it was beginning of 2020. I, I tweeted, I pooped. And that also <laughs> trended. And that also got like 250,000 likes. We're sensing a trend here. It was the same situation, intestinal blockage, yes. <laughs> well, glad you've recovered. Glad you're feeling you. good. Mm -hmm. um, I've been seeing the billboards all over LA. Oh, good. And good. not only do I love that they, uh, you know, take a little inspiration from a couple other YouTubers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, inspiration. I, Complete ripoff. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. To delicately put. Um, <laughs> I, and we have to talk about In Space with Markiplier. Yeah. What do you want to know about it? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's cool. I feel like you are such a master at creating uh, really creative, engaging, interactive fun content. So like what goes into making a, a whole series like that? It's huge. Oh my God. It's a lot. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a master at it. Uh, cause even I looking back at space now, like by the time this comes out, part two is out. I, I see so many things that I could have improved. However, I don't know when I'm going to be able to do another one because that one took two years to make. Two um, years. Good Lord. Two years. Yeah. A year just writing it. Um, wow. that was just me holding up. And while I, and I was trying to do that while I was doing Unisonis with Ethan and Amy. Oh my God. Um, Jesus. And, and also making videos on my own channel. So I was, I was very busy. I was talking about this with Anthony Padilla just the other day about how I've been in a hole in the ground for like four <laughs> years. Cause I made the first one of these, well, not the first, the second one of these heist with Markiplier mm -hmm. yeah. uh, in 2019 that came out. And then I immediately did Unisonis, which is like a year long commitment while I was doing my own videos yeah. and simultaneously writing space. So as, as soon as Unisonis ended, I was off to uh, make this project. So I love that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I love the choose your own adventure stuff. It's so, first mm. of all, uh, in space, uh, I watched it last night. It was great, man. I loved it. Oh, I, I, I all day will go for fake bodies being thrown around. I Dude, know, love right? it, love it. So funny. Yeah. And so many dumb, great little jokes like when you're going to back up the spaceship into the wormhole mm -hmm. and then yeah. all of a sudden there's a steering wheel in like a- I know, a right? To back up. It's great, God. it's great. What made that such a fun experience is like our prop master, 
for the show. Yeah. The way I was working as a director was I was just allowing everyone to bring in their ideas. Oh, if that. they were okay with me shooting them down because they were terrible. <laughs> and they sure. like I told them not to be afraid of me saying no. Yeah. But then our prop master like brought that all that stuff. I had kind of written like the idea of it, but then he had that and then oh. the gearbox, which oh, I didn't write. And so then he good. brought the the tree uh deodorizer <laughs> like dangling or I didn't even think of that. It's so it's like great. everyone Bringing these details in. The big self-destruct. I don't know if you got to the self-destruct button, but I wrote, like, it was a giant self-destruct button. Yeah. That's up in the air what it is. He took a tire cover <laughs> and made the biggest physical button right. he could. And it's like, this guy gets me. Ah, this gets guy it. gets me. Yeah. So, yeah, just like collaborative experience. Oh, it and, and the, the blending of genres too. Like I like, it goes to film noir at one point. I mean, mm. it's so cool how, and I think like this is kind of a, a, a hidden magic trick and, and to your credit and to your, your team's credit of you establish right off the bat that silliness and, and like a tone. And so it allows you to do anything. So anything mm. goes because you're not shoehorning in those jokes later. They just all make sense because you've already established. And I think that is such an amazing trick and, and really great job. And I think you do oh, that a lot you. with a lot of your videos. You have such a great, um, just a hyper uh, self-aware sense mm. of how people are viewing you and who you are and that stuff. And it just looks really fun. Like it just, you're bringing people into the tent. I felt when I was watching in space, I was like, oh my God. Well, A, it's POV. But also like, I was like, oh my God, it feels like I'm just hanging out with my friends, screwing around in space. It was great. I, I What I think it is, and thank you so much for saying it, uh, but uh, I think what it is, is like it comes from the embodiment and the embracement of what YouTube is as a platform. Um, not, not that everyone does first person stuff, but there's kind of like this, uh, like unspoken sense of the mood and appetite of what people like and things. And you kind of like gravitate towards that. Me, in terms of comedy, I just always try to treat ridiculous situations as seriously as possible. And that's like, <laughs> right. that's pretty much what I apply to everything. And that's why <laughs> the opening is so chaotic and the comedy is just like, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but also the beautiful thing is like in part two, which you at this moment have not seen yet, um, it also allows you to take hard shifts to serious tones um, because a lot of the the this the themes of the show are very serious and dark um but by like having the the lightheartedness at first i get to play with people's emotions of being like haha was all my fun and games actually right. killing everybody a right. million times over oh my god like existential crises and so people dip in in and out of that like going from comedy in, uh, into seriousness instead of the opposite of going from seriousness to comedy it's a more natural flow i think anyway yeah um that can tell a really cool story it's re there's moments of like true creepiness and they're mm -hmm. like it starts to get cr like really fun and crazy but i love mm -hmm. those shifts in tone are man super fun and i do love how i'm like riding off of a good joke and i'm like ha 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 huh? <laughs> <laughs> and immediately yeah. get a little concerned uh yeah. and you you mentioned it really briefly but um you know this is something that not only you directed but you wrote Mm -hmm. and you are featured in, <laughs> uh, yeah. it's a pretty big undertaking. That's pretty yeah. huge, but it's also not unfamiliar to you. Yeah, absolutely. And that harkens back to the whole YouTuber thing. I mean, you obviously know YouTubers are, in a sense, writer, actor, directors. And I did not know this because I didn't go to film school, but there's apparently a stigma about writer, actor, directors being egomaniacal maniacs, 
Which I'm not saying I'm not. <laughs> it but right. holds up Markiplier <laughs> mug. That, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good morning. But mug. usually it comes with a sense that they don't really know uh, what they're doing or they're going to be assholes about it. But one of the best things that I had uh, in the production of this was just being with that crew and filming with those guys because they that I, I wanted to make sure that they felt welcome to put their ideas in, but also so that they had a sense of ownership. Everyone, like from, from PAs to producers, like had a cool. sense of ownership yeah. on the show. Um, and that made them love to come into work. And and I I I hope I hope unless there's some, they're talking shit about me behind my back, which is perfectly valid. I would I would accept that. Like, but uh, I would hope that people would be eager to work on something that I would have again. And that did happen with the first one, Heist. They didn't know who the fuck I was. Can I curse? Please. Fuck they no. Who the fuck <laughs> yeah, I was? There we go. <laughs> they didn't know who I was, yeah. and 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 they trusted me that I knew what I was doing. They didn't know what the show was because with when you're filming an interactive like this, it's just like you film it in pieces and they don't know what the fuck it is. Um, but then I did a premiere for them afterwards so that they could choose the choices and rent it out of theater. I did the same oh, thing for fine. space. It, it like really, it really. I hope they're proud of it because I'm proud of it. I'm proud of the work they did, but I hope they're proud of it. What was the writing process? And honestly, what's the writing process for things like going on a date with Markiplier, Heist, the, like in space and that stuff? Complicated. A lot of cut content. Basically, when you have space, I had a lot of universes. I knew I wanted to jump in universes. So I just started like throwing up every single possible thing, situation, crazy space cliche, uh, different universe. It was like there was cardboard universe that never happened. Oh my God. Wherever the whole ship would be made. <laughs> made out of cardboard. <laughs> you know, there was the sponsored universe that we never did where it was going to be the entire thing was going to be a sellout and we we're actually going to get a sponsor for it. Oh, um, the NASCAR you know, universe. Everyone's just wearing it. I wrote the script itself ended up being like 120,000 words, uh, like 300 something pages. It was big, but I actually wrote about 260,000 words worth of content. That's how much didn't make it in. Wow. Um, wow. Just because when it came down to the practicality of filming it, like, yeah, I could, infinite universes would be great. I don't have an infinite budget. Uh, <laughs> right. So I got to really pare it down. Yeah. No, um, no cardboard here. Yeah. No cardboard. Yeah, that's too expensive <laughs> kind of for the cardboard oh, no, universe. But it was also like efficiency, right? What fit for the story? What fit for making people go here, there? It really came down to the real breakthrough started happening. It was like, okay, I have the story. Now what's fun? What is actually physically fun for people to go through? And I can't wait for people to see part two. It's out now by the time people hear this. But part two is so much fun. It's where the majority of the crazy fun is. Yeah, oh it's Mar Markiplier and the uh, multiverse of madness, basically, is what it's <laughs> I know, right? I am riding that multiverse wave. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. 
Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. What to you? Here's my here's my thing because I think comedy and horror are right next to each other, right? I do too. Right, right. It, because you think about it, kind of like so the rule of three in comedy, right? The third thing uh, is the joke. You know, uh, yeah. same thing, same thing, funny thing. And I I've always said it's well, I didn't make this up, but because when we were monkeys, that laughter is how you know one monkey showed that something surprising wasn't dangerous. So they laugh exactly. at it right for the rest of their tribe. But the rule of threes also works in horror, right? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it is a tiger coming through the jungle. It's not something, fun, a coconut falling down or whatever. And uh, and I think that like comedy works well with clarity. You know, clarity in comedy is paramount. And that's the same thing with horror. What are the things that you've played so many horror games? What are the things that excite you now in terms of storytelling and horror, or when you start to play a game, what are the things you look for that you really love that to check off boxes? Oh yeah. Well, first I want to like, I have not heard someone say that besides myself in <laughs> ages, literally that that's what I've been saying about horror and comedy. Yeah. They're two sides of the yes. same coin. One is you, they're both, you are surprised by something. It's either harmless or dangerous. And that's horror and comedy. Like that's, it and, and sometimes and so, if if the other person is getting killed, it's funny to me. It could be. About, it could be. It could be. About yeah, because you're not getting killed. Well, yeah, it, exactly. I'll another day. <laughs> perspective. It is. All about it is. You're right. It's all, it's all perspective. That's it. Comedy is relative, just like time. And <laughs> but but uh, when it comes down to like any horror games, I've played a ton by now. Maybe not as much as you. No, I don't no, know. No. I think you've played way more than me, but. <laughs> but when it comes down to what I always love to see is because uh, I've seen so many different types of mechanics and and like different ways that scares happen. It really does come down to was I immersed in the story you were trying to tell? Because um, that's what it comes out. You can have the greatest mechanics in the world, but if I don't feel the world you built, uh, then it's it's not the same experience. The reason why. I always harken back to it, and people probably get annoyed by it, but I harken back to Five Nights at Freddy's for very good reasons. Uh, there is a reason that game took off. The mechanics of it were incredibly tight. The The scares of it were get, got old after a while, whatever. But you felt that world. You couldn't help but feel that world. That world didn't just – you didn't just feel it. You didn't reach it out. That world creeped into you. The the doors, like the lighting, the music, the weirdness, the off-putting look of it, the the sprawling hallway, the sudden realization of how much danger you were in, which you didn't even know you were in the beginning, that all grounds you in the experience. So I don't care what mechanics you have in an indie horror game. Am I grounded in your world and am I sucked into it? Yeah. That's what a good indie horror game has to have. Yes. On the note of being sucked into a world and also touching on clarity... Uh, Aaron and I have both talked about this a handful of times. And one thing that absolutely breaks me, not with any game, but particularly horror games, is when you're trying to work yourself through and you end up at a puzzle and you're stuck Uh. and you just can't. 
and it compl- it just shatters it for me. And I feel like amnesia did that for me at some points and outlast kind of similar where I'd hit a point where I, I'm going through a room, the monsters are gone, it's away, and I just, I can't figure it out. And I'm begging for death. I'm like, just end it. I don't know what to do here. I'm not scared. Like yeah. that shatters I- it for me. I totally understand that because it's the introduction of mechanics for the sake of gameplay instead of for the sake of story, right? Mm-hmm. I, I am okay with uh, a door that you need to get through in an urgency if it made sense of why that door was there, right? If, if it's to emulate the idea of fumbling for my key, I'm like, yes. oh, God, I got to go yeah. in my inventory. That's fine. I like that. It raises the stakes. Um, it's kind of like the analogy of Tetris, right? So Tetris has a very perfect difficulty uh, mastering curve. It's almost a straight line. It just gets faster, right? So the better you are at Tetris, uh, the harder the game is going to be at a linear rate. It is always going to reach a certain point where you fail um, because that's just how it works. Right. You, it's simple mechanics, but the stakes get higher. Uh, so in a horror game like that with Amnesia, the most recent Amnesia, I didn't actually get to finish it because the game had a puzzle that I died in the middle and I lost the piece that I needed to solve it. Oh. It physically disappeared from the world. There was no way to go back into a different save. Oh. It only had one save. I literally uh, hard-locked my game or soft-locked or whatever it would call, and I never got back to oh. it. And, oh. and it was just it was heartbreaking because I was like, I get why the enemy was there. I don't get why like the puzzle needed to be in that way. Yeah. And it was heartbreaking because I was immersed in the story, less so than I was the first game, but it was still good. And it was just like, why did you why did you do this? And I didn't even know that I soft locked until an hour later of me trying oh, to bash my head against trying man. to solve it. That yeah. sucks. Damn. So, I think yeah. when you give the great analogy of fumbling for your keys, you know, like mm. uh, um, I think of Alien Isolation, which I, I think does that mm. so well. You have mm. to get through a door, but they have this fun little choose these three. Which three symbols do you choose? But it's horrifying and it's such a simple puzzle and the whole thing doesn't hang on that but just mm. because again they've created such a great world i think the the audio to me horror games can live or die by great audio and um, oh, i mean yes. music and also and and that just the th- 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 you know as the alien comes at yeah. you is so horrifying audio um, in horror audio in anything people underestimate audio you can have the prettiest thing in the world if it doesn't sound good people won't like yeah. it Period. You can have bad visuals and people can still like the experience if there's good audio. If there's good visuals, bad audio, people will not do it, in, like with a few exceptions. Um, and with horror specifically, you cannot have mediocre horror sound design. You can't. It won't be scary. It li- It guides you subconsciously. It's the language that people don't put into words because it taps directly into feelings. Not, not that I'm much for the the type of thing that's where you have to score two emotions. You don't have to do that. Uh, the score works off that. The music is a different subject. I'm not an expert in that. <laughs> but but what it comes down to is like no one, no, well, not no one. You obviously do. You both do. And it's like not enough people appreciate sound in, no, it's in media. It's huge. If, it, if it's not good and it doesn't raise, uh, feel like the stakes are raised internally or create mm. um, urgency in me, it comes off as corny. Yeah. It, it just comes off as cheesy. And I, I feel time. like, yeah, it does. It shatters it as well. One of mm-hmm. the games uh, that I 
one of my favorite games and and one of the games I think does sound so well, both in using sound and the absence of sound is inside, you know, that the game where you're the yes. But I remember the very beginning of that game, you know, you're in the woods and you're kind of, and it's dark and then you're a kid. So you feel vulnerable. You can't, you have no weapons or anything and you're kind of running along and all of a sudden there's like a car that's pacing you. And I was like, oh, this isn't, this is not going to be good. And then all of a sudden it turns in and there's a barking dog. And I screamed so loud, like, <laughs> because up to that point, there was so little sound. And all of a sudden it's this great, and, and there might've even been a music swell. And that game just did, just did audio design so well. I was really, mm-hmm. really impressed with that game. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like tapping into a language that everyone knows, but they don't know they know. Yeah. Do, right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A hundred percent. That's it. And yeah. I, it, it's funny too, because I think for me, I don't know how you guys feel in terms of like jump scares. I don't get jump scared a lot, but I do get really creeped out. And mm-hmm. uh, in terms of being in a world, you you played a game a few weeks ago where you're driving and mm-hmm. um, it's you're driving at night. And there's, it's just a radio show and you're supposed to, the mechanics are you're calling into trying to win a prize on this radio show. And it, yeah. the guys, the two guys, it very quickly becomes these radio DJs. You're in a different kind of dimension. And the way they build that was fantastic. And I was like, mm-hmm. how simple is this? I'm just listening to the radio, but I am really creeped out about what's about <laughs> to happen. Yeah. And it was fun too. Like it was funny as well, but just like as they start to go, you listen, it was that thing you said, Sonia, is where you go, ha ha. When the ha ha's get a little softer yeah. and a little, a little more unsure and uneasy. Yeah. What are some, what do you watch that you love that inspires you in terms of comedy? There's only really one. Uh, I watched Whose Line Is It Anyway oh, from yeah. like Amazing. when I was 16 yeah. to like probably still I occasionally watch some stuff. I, I can't really say anything probably like it, just by sheer input. That one probably influenced me the most. Wow. Um, I would put I had every season illegally downloaded. Uh, Whoa, I had hold every, on. Hold every on. Single episode. over. Oh. I'm admitting it publicly. I, I also uh, I also paid for it as well when I had the ability <laughs> oh. to do that. So I, I made all sure. as well then. <laughs> but uh, I just loved it so much. So I had every episode playing from the UK seasons. Wow. The Whoa. to the uh, last of the US seasons during their like run in the early 2000s on loop. Wow. And I would play through it once. I would go right back to the beginning and I would keep playing it again because by the time I got to the end, uh, the beginning got fresh again. There we and go. I just kept mm-hmm. going. I must have done probably like 30 laps wow. of that. Wow. Because that was during my World of Warcraft days and I would just be playing World of Warcraft and I'd have that on my second monitor nonstop. What I, a vibe. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan know, Styles right? for the win, man. Ryan Styles, one of the funniest. Colin Mockery for the win. Yeah, Colin Mockery. A Canadian gem. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot you were Canadian. Yeah. Got to represent. <laughs> it is amazing how much improv, though, like does is a great tool for writing also. Like just mm, absolutely like coming up with bits. And I mean, again, like in space just feels like a really fun romp with friends in space. And it does have that kind of beautiful improv energy of like what is going to happen, which is so uh-huh. fun. It's so Cause it's so great. Cause like you, the cap makes a choice and every choice like leads somewhere. Right. So it's, it's literally yes. And yes. popper in verse. Yes. And here's the steering wheel <laughs> and here's us backing into the wormhole. Right, right. <laughs> like, it's like, it, it is exactly that. I would recommend anyone that wants to do any kind of, even, even serious acting, writing, directing, 
Improv is not just about comedy. It's about learning your responses to other human beings. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and like you're channeling that. So it's incredibly valuable. Yeah. I would recommend anyone do it. So I, I would fully agree. And I also appreciate one thing I, I didn't really know uh, was that Unis Honest was a lot of improv. Yes. Heavily. (laughs) Nothing was scripted. Yeah, if you you think about it in that way, yeah, it was completely. And and me and Ethan, we've done many, many. We've taken improv classes together. We did like our tour, which had improv. um, And then we just like bounced off each other really well. And that's because I think both of us are ADHD brain and and, but him way more than me sometimes. Uh, But it, it is. It is that exercise of complete trust in each other. No matter what we were filming, no matter what we were doing, we just accepted the bit. The bit was the bit and we just accepted it and we just carried through. All we ever did for those is we had an idea that Amy provided, my girlfriend, and just like plopped it down in front of us and we just go for an hour. We record for an hour and we just go. And that's all we do. Whatever the video is, is what it is. We didn't have time for anything else. We were making a video a day. We couldn't do anything else. (laughs) That's so great. What were some of your main, like what were some of your big takeaways from that experience? Like what are some things you learned and what kind of, what surprised you when you were like halfway through about the whole process and, and. Oh man, there were so many takeaways from Innocence. The realization that I could, we could do this thing. Okay. The realization that the commitment to an idea that we didn't know would work, would work. Um, I had suspicions, but you know, you never know. And then the real takeaways at the ending is that um, the feeling matters more than anything else in terms of like how it's described as being uh we uh we knew what the feeling would be when unisonis was deleted for those of listening to this uh that are looking for unisonis you can't find it it got deleted um it was deleted uh november 13th 2019 and um on that live stream we had at the moment of deletion concurrent viewers 1.7 million people were watching simultaneously us delete that channel because it mattered it meant something and and its ending would never have mattered as much if we didn't put in every ounce of effort into making every video count because that was the message every single second counts as the clock's ticking down to the end which if you think about it right now for all of us the clock is still ticking there we go. Right now. I was going to say, not to get too existential here. However, <laughs> there's no, a, there's a lot of alignments <laughs> and key takeaways that people can can take from uh, from that series and just your, your whole approach. Uh, and one thing I really appreciated was just the ability to let go. The ability mm-hmm. to, you know, you, you would imagine with a series that is going on for an entire year that yeah. you, and you're doing a video every day, that you might not put your heart and soul into everything because you have so much, you know, you're filming this, you're writing for this, you have mm. such and such going on. However, you did. You you both put your heart, you and the whole crew, you put your entire heart and soul into every single video for an entire year. And for somebody to be able to do that and then be able to just let it all go. Mm-hmm. Like it's huge. I, thank you. I, I I think that's the message that I also, it was one for the audience to get like that every second matters. It was also a secondary message to other creators is um, that you can't be afraid of holding on, uh, of letting go. You can't hold on too tight to who you were, even if, so let's say, for example, you had this huge viral success and people loved it and you got tons of of accolades and whatever for it, you can't be afraid to let that go because if you don't grow 
as a creator, as a human, as a person, then the people watching you will stagnate if you try to hold on to what made that moment special. That moment was already gone the moment it happened. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just the whatever happens after is the aftershocks. But you as a human being, uh, all of us, we create, we continue to create, we have to keep growing. And the people watching, they recognize when they're watching someone that does not evolve, that does not change, that does not grow. And um, there's something beautiful in that. And yes, it might not ever be as successful as that thing. It might not be the biggest number thing ever, but you as a person grow and people respect that. It's it's so nice to fall in love with the the craft and the process and the people that you're surrounding yourself with again, rather than focusing solely on numbers and trying to make the the best what's gonna what's gonna go viral or how many views is this gonna get? I, I feel yeah. like, yeah, that shift in perspective is is really important. And it, it, I, and for those that doubt that, because you're totally right, it will lead to success. Yes. Like that, the difference in mentality will. It may not lead to incredible success, but with Unisans, we never had a goal of how many people were going to be there um, when we deleted it. But if you think about it in terms of like success, that number would be a number that people would be envious of. Anyone would want like 1.7 million concurrent viewers. For us, that was not the goal. Mm-hmm. It happened because of all the process of the entire process chasing a feeling, not a number, yeah. and the feeling. And that feeling just so happened to resonate with that many people. Like over the entire entire live stream, 23 million people watched it. And then they were, it was, and we deleted it at midnight on a, on a Friday, <laughs> Pacific time, which means that for people, that many people to be up, some of them were up at 3 a.m. Some of them got up in the UK at like 8 a.m. just to check if we were still there. Wow. You know, people were up with us. They wanted to, they felt it. And if you chase feelings and passions and things that you actually care about, things will result from yes. that. Yes. Something, yeah. something, build it and they will come. There we go. Or, or some, something <laughs> we like go. that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I hate to say it, but speaking of time, our time is almost at an end. Uh, this is it's flown by and been, been a real treat for us. We love to end every interview with asking our guest their favorite game and their least favorite game. So best versus worst. Now, again, this is not, this game is amazing. This game is terrible, but what is a, a game that, and we'll start low and go high. So what's a game mm. that broke your heart or that you despise or maybe disappointed you in a big way? Could be from when you were a kid. Could be recently. Nah, I know it. Oh, he knows it. Oh God! All right. And end of Mass Effect Three. Oh yeah. Oh. Broke my heart. Yep. That's a that's a I, big bummer. Pre patch. <laughs> Not that the patch did any better, but pre patch. I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe after all that build up, this fucking kid's talking to me. He's like, "Look at the colors," and I'm just like. <laughs> I don't even care about the fact that the choices are there. That's totally fine. It's that, uh, I, no, no, I'm not going to get into this. <laughs> I'm not going to get into this. It's fine. It's in the past. It's in the past. You can see you're, 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 you were so chill with the red lights and just totally zen. And now I can see the blood boiling. Yeah. And the anyway, Ma- and, and the Mass Effect. Mass Effect 3. And also, I, and, and again, I, my guess would be maybe because there was so much emotion and, and stakes tied up into that up to that point, right? It's because I loved it. Yes. It's because mm. I loved that game. I played it so much. I loved it so much. And it's not even that Mass Effect 3 was a bad game. It wasn't. 
It was a good game. I really loved the mechanics of it. I loved where the story was going, or at least where I thought the story was going. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was even, I'm okay if Shepard dies. I'm okay with that. That's fine. If that's where his story ends, that's fine. That's never what bothered me about it. It's just like the betrayal of expectations along the way and the ending seeming so phoned in and the ending seeming so subpar and the ending uh, leaving so many questions unanswered. That's, it was the dissatisfaction of it that really poisoned it for me. Yeah. Well, let's, let's end on a high note. Yeah. <laughs> let's bring our spirits up. That's right. <laughs> a game, game that you're in love with. Elden Ring. Ooh. Oh, wow. All right. I can't help it. I know everyone's probably saying that, but there's something so magical about that. I, d- I didn't even play all the Dark Souls. Like, I dabbled in it. I beat Bloodborne. Okay. I did like Bloodborne a lot, um, but I dabbled in the Dark Souls. Something about Elden Ring is captivating from the world that you're in to the actual mechanics. The mechanics are really good mm-hmm. compared to what I remember from Dark Souls. Um, just really smooth, really effective, really fun, engaging. And then you have this huge sprawling. It's exactly what I was saying about Five Nights at Freddy's. I was sucked into the world. Yes. Just mm-hmm. sucked. You cannot help but be absorbed. I love that wherever I went in that goddamn game, I didn't know what the <laughs> fuck I was doing. I would open a door and be like, wow, where am I? Open that chest. I'm like, I'm in hell now? <laughs> like, I get out of the hell cave. We're like, that fucking sucked. What is this blood lake? And I'm like, uh, every moment of that game was an, a jaw-dropping, what is happening and why do I love it? <laughs> You know, it's I, it's indescribable. The feelings that that game injects into you is delicious. And the stakes that it raises up and when you beat a boss, it's so satisfying. My heart pumping every single fight. You can't, you can't wish for something like that. No one could have made something like that before. And I hope that it changes the landscape of AAA games forever. Yes. Yes. And yes. honestly, a game like that, it the, the highs... Oh, they're high. Oh, but the lows. But the lows. There's some low lows. Oh, I was low. Something. Amy was afraid of me. No, not like afraid of me, violence wise, but for me, because uh-huh. I was just so lost in a spiral of sadness. And I once told her, like, "You got to go to bed. I have to beat this. You have like, don't look away." Yeah, exactly. And it took me like three more hours to oh, get God. the. It was the god skin in the volcano manor, and I just could oh. not beat him. Uh, but whatever, it's fine. I got him, and it we was. We made it. <laughs> I had a whole thing on this podcast about it's Dark Souls with a horse. I don't care, and so I actually bet uh, Sonya and our producer Jen Samples uh, that I wouldn't like it, and then I liked it, and so I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's great, it, and I think you talk about like the love putting the love and time and effort into something. Man, every aspect of Elden Ring they put so much work into. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's just it's uh, just aside from the massive. The, the size of it. I mean, it's just, man, uh-huh. the character's designs are crazy and wild and like, ooh, yeah, that is a, uh, that's a I'm great. glad you gave it a chance. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's ruined a lot of my life since, but it's, uh. It, that's the thing. It ruins your, ruins life. your life. I, like, space almost got delayed because I wanted to play it so much. <laughs> What's this whole What's this whole section where he's playing Elden Ring? Uh, in space? You're just like, oh yeah, what captain? Whatever you want to do, you're just like. Uh, I remember when fix, we flew fix out, post. We flew out to Austin to do the sound session when we were there, and uh, you know I'd been playing at home. I'm like, okay, all right, I'll leave it behind. What I didn't tell Amy is I we get to the hotel. I plop my suitcase on. I was like, Amy, I've got something to show you. I unzip my suitcase and pull out my PlayStation Five. <laughs> 
And I'm not the type of guy to do that, but I did it. It was like oh, uh, the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. You open it and just light hits your face. It really was. It really was. Oh my and she God. laughed at first, and then, you know, it's a hotel, so the TV light keeping her up at night when I was playing. So, again, when the ha-has go to ha-ha-ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being here. This was uh, a real treat. And, dude, we're, we're glad that you're better uh, and out of the hospital. And Oh, well, thank you, know, you very much. Uh, this, was, this was great. I, would, I, I don't want to end on a farting joke, so we'll cut that last, the, what I'm about to say out. But, you know, go okay. for it. You know what? I hope uh, now that you're better, the farting continues. Thank you, man. Thank you. Because I know that's from the heart. It is. Well, it's from someplace in my body. Thank you so much to Markiplier for joining us today. As we said, time is currency. Yeah, what a great man. I love some of the combos we get into on this podcast. it I don't think there's any other podcast that talks about video game storytelling and existential dread <laughs> as much as us. And I, I love it. And that what a great conversation. We've really hit that beautiful Venn diagram <laughs> cross-section of all of those things. We, um, but yeah, thank you again so much for joining us today. And then make sure to check out his new interactive series on YouTube. It's called In Space with Markiplier. Part two just dropped. Make sure to check it out now. Take a break. We'll be right back. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. All right, we're back. So, you know, we had uh, Yaroslav Beck on, the co-founder of Beat Studios and the game Beat Saber, which is, I'm going to go on a limb, out on a limb, and it's not a very long limb, and just say it's the best VR game. Yeah. It's so fun. It's the game, yeah. like we said, we introduce everyone to VR with. And uh, in that interview, we were talking about the fact that like, I think we made a joke about them doing like audio books or something oh, like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. There's a great modding community who makes their own Beat Saber maps and they should do audio books. So Mars Melnick, super producer of Why Won't You Date Me and VR God, took it upon herself to contact the, the modding community and Joe Tastic, the number one Beat Saber mapper in the world, and also a Team Coco fan, so what's up, Joe Tastic? Uh, mapped our interview with Yaroslav Beck in a truly peak meta moment. I have, I, meta is the only way that I can think of to describe this. I have never seen a podcast as a Beat Saber map. I think it's the first time it's ever been done. It's a welcome world. Yeah. I want to I want to confirm this, but I think I think we might be. I think, I think yeah, we, we should confirm, be. but I it's so <laughs> thank you to Mars and and Mars made uh she also has her own mixed media studio because again, VR god, and she made uh some videos of her playing Beat Saber. <laughs> 
to our podcast. And they're phenomenal. They're on the Team Coco podcast Instagram handle. You can check them out right now. Um, and it's it's really crazy to see words as blocks. And by the way, how hard is it? Because when we speak, there's no beat. There's yeah. no rhythm. So she's just like, I to really want to try this on Expert Plus. <laughs> I think that that's, that's what I need. That's the ultimate form of like mind, body, coordination, I don't know, fitting in a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Expert Plus is like when uh, it like uh, we keep in all my sniffles and coughs also. It's like <laughs> all my weird mouth noises <laughs> that Jen cuts out. That's Expert Plus. It's really, yeah. I hope so. Um, but I, I love that. I think, and frankly, like it could be kind of cool for Beat Saber to put in audiobooks. It might be kind of fun to try to do like a story or Listen, something? Listen, I always think of when I'm actually listening to audiobooks or podcasts, and it's either I'm doing my makeup or I'm in the shower right. or I'm driving. Okay. These are all very stationary activities. That's right. What if I could get a workout in simultaneously? Yeah. There's there's an untapped market, I am telling you. Dude, I totally agree. It's kind of like working out your brain and your body at the same time. It's like the, what I'm saying. It's the perfect workout. Yes. The actual Hear me full, out. Yeah. Beat mapping community. The actual full body workout. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. Make so it happen. I, I got to say thank you again to Yaroslav Beck for coming on um, our podcast. Thank you to Mars uh, for, for putting those videos together and, and contacting the modding community. And thank you to Joe Tastic for, for modding that, uh, that episode of our podcast. It was, we all absolutely were completely thrilled uh, about how it turned out. And, Look, dumb ideas for the win. How I love silly and dumb ideas taken to the extreme. It's the literally the best. It made me so happy. It was it was so it's so good. Again, I've never seen that before. So it's just <laughs> it seems so silly, but I was it's so pumped. We should just now release every episode as a playable map. <laughs> we should have like one special episode where it's not released anywhere else. Yeah. Except for <laughs> That's a, actually you know map. what? That's a great idea. We That's could do saying. we we could have Conan do like a clueless gamer where he plays <laughs> he plays himself. He's like his own Conan words. Conan versus himself. He does his own monologue. Oh my god. It'd be amazing. It'd be We're so, onto something. so funny. There's something there. There's something there for sure. There is. Well, again, you know, you're welcome world for this new introduction of this next level of meta media. <laughs> and I hope to see more out there. But yeah. that's all we got. That's all we got for this week. Happy Friday out there. Go play Beat Saber. Go watch In Space with Markiplier. You've got a lot of content for this weekend. So. That's, right. That's right. Good Game Nice Try is produced by Jen Samples and Nick Liao. Our executive producers are Joanna Solitaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Imagine me doing this in Beat Saber. Engineering by Eduardo Perez with engineering and sound design by Chester Guazda. Talent booking. I'm cutting all these blocks up. <laughs> by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. Special thanks to Lisa Berm. Music by John Danik. Danik, Danik, Danik. Slice. This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. 
Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. 